Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Today we have a really cool experience, a really cool morning uh, that I'm eager for us to be a part of. Uh, We've engaged in the Psalms this summer. That's our sermon series. And what I love about the Psalms is that the Psalms show us what a life oriented toward God looks like in the best of times and in the worst of times. So wherever you're at, you can likely find a psalm that sort of you resonate with. I understand what the, what the writer is saying here. There's this one line in this one psalm that I go back to. And lots of songs have been written coming out of the psalms. So you might even have a melody that comes to mind that can hit you, again, in celebration or in heartache, Right? And the Psalms are just honest. The Psalms just say it like it is. I'd venture to say sometimes the psalmists have bad theology. It's okay. They're engaging God where they're at. That doesn't mean that all the things they say are true, right? They're engaging God where they're at, and they're crying out to God where they're at, and they're living life toward God right where they're at. So that's one of the things that we're trying to focus on uh, this morning. I'm going to invite Teresa up. Teresa's a longtime friend. When, when Leslie and I were in Fond du Lac for 12 years uh, in youth ministry, I got to know the Flood family. Um, got to, at least four of their kids came up through the youth group and got to run with them, got to get to know them. Super cool family. And Teresa is, uh, was Teresa Flood, now married, and we can have a seat. Um, and I, as we've, been, as we've been reflecting on the Psalms this summer, I thought it would be really good, or just a really cool opportunity for the church to hear Teresa's story, because um, I consider Teresa like a living psalm, okay? So we go to the Bible, and we read the Psalms, and we, we can, like, try to get into what was the author thinking about or going through, and what kind of struggles were they giving to God? And Teresa takes the Psalms, and she brings it to life to me. Um, and so I want you to be able to hear her story. Teresa and I are going to have a conversation, sort of fishbowl-like. And I'm also going to ask her um, at times to address you, to encourage or challenge uh, what does she want people to know, what does she want the church uh, to know and to, to be transformed by. Um, so thank you for being here. Uh, Floods, thank you for coming. I'm so glad that you could be here with us. Um, this is such a terrific family. Um, I'm excited for this morning. So give me just a quick introduction. You've had a kind of wild couple of years, just the last couple of years. You got married. Tell us about Ben and what you guys have been doing lately. Um, Yes, so I got married two years ago. Um, My husband is on his way, but he had to lead worship at our church back home this morning. Uh, He is a travel nurse, and so he takes assignments for three months in different places in the country. Uh, our first assignment, we went down to Colorado. We lived there for three months. Um, and then we moved and we went out to Connecticut. We lived there for three months. Um, so it's really been a cool opportunity to see the country and to travel, um, just experience, you know, meet new people, meet new, uh, see new places. We love national parks. So that's kind of something we're geeky about that we'll try and hit as many as we can. I think we're up to 19 that we've hit in the last two years. So we're trying to, 
like just this past week we went up to northern Minnesota where there's a national park up there and we um, hung out there for a couple days. So we love to travel um, and we love to try and find ways to to make our lives revolve around that kind of in a way. So Ben being a travel nurse has been has been a huge help that he can kind of just travel around. And you bought a van. Describe <laughs> the van and what you did to it. Yeah, so some may call it like a creeper van. It's just like a cargo van. It doesn't have any windows in the back. It was usually used for work or something. Um, but we bought it, and we just renovated the inside of it, put a bed in there, put cabinets, put a sink, um, made it look made it look really nice. Uh, so so we just drive around in that, and we'll sleep, you know, just wherever we can park. And my my mom gets a little freaked out sometimes, like, which Walmart parking lot are you in this time? <laughs> um, so so yeah, it, uh, that functions really well with our lifestyle that we can just sleep out of our van. Usually not tell people that because it sounds creepy, though. Anytime <laughs> down by a river? <laughs> we did one time. One time we lived in a van down by the river, but just once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, tell, tell me about, uh, you said you just served at a camp, a kid's camp. Tell me about that just a little bit. Yeah, me and, um, me and my husband are youth leaders at our church back home, and we have been doing that uh, pretty much since we got out of youth group. Um, so after high school, we just kind of went into leadership and started uh, leading the youth. And uh, a couple months ago, our head pastor came up to us and gave us an opportunity to be youth speakers at a camp up in northern Minnesota. And so we went and did that last week, and we felt very unqualified and, <laughs> and showed up and felt very over our heads um, to, to have to lead and speak and give you know, we had to do worship and the message and the games and try and control 40 kids all at the same time. So it was an experience, a learning experience. Um, all the kids lived. So I think I think that was the point. That yeah, was a I'm good so part. I'm so glad <laughs> that you got to experience the other side <laughs> of leading youth uh, and what goes into that. Uh. Teresa, uh, she was a firecracker in youth group <laughs> and... Uh, I had some headaches because of her, <laughs> uh, in a good way. Um, tell us a little bit about the family that you grew up in and the kind of foundation that you got started on with life. So uh, my family was uh, a very wholesome uh, Christian family. We grew up always going to church, always being involved in youth group. I was In high school, I was a part of three different youth groups, um, so the youth group that I went to of Shannon's wasn't even the church that I went to. I went to a different church, but um, on Sunday nights I would go to his youth group, and then on Wednesday nights I would go to a different youth group. Um, so it was kind of just in the culture of our family. That's where we met all our friends. That's where we hung out. Uh, we really enjoyed, you know, Sundays and Wednesdays and um, just loved being at church. Uh, so I was blessed to have two Christian parents that, poured into me and, and taught me the, um, the value of the gospel and the value of, of Jesus in our lives. Now you, um, when I reached out to you to come and share your story, one of the things that you led with was your definition of vulnerability. Do you remember what you said there about vulnerability and how you define it? Well, <laughs> I said it's not, 
I know it's probably not like Webster's definition, but um, I would describe vulnerability as like wanting to throw up, wanting like having very high anxiety, um, wanting to run away, you know, all these like very vulnerability to me is like probably the most scary thing. Some people are scared of spiders and, and dragons and I don't know other things, but I hate vulnerability like uh, that. The, the idea of crying in front of other people um, or being real with people is, can be intimidating, can be really terrifying. So I told you that this is, this is a church that kind of um, craves authenticity, right? Is that fair to say? And welcomes vulnerability, welcomes when stuff is, uh, can kind of come unraveled a little bit um, because we're all unraveled a little bit. So I just want you, again, to know that you're in a safe spot um, and as you are vulnerable this morning, that's something that uh, we value a ton um, and are thankful for. So can you take us to uh, 16 years old and life as it was going and then um, kind of how your story develops there? Uh, yeah, I would say at um, 16, uh, the youth group that I was in with Shannon uh, we took a missions trip down to Mexico, and we built a house for a family. Um, and I, I really felt like that was the first time that I experienced God move in my life. I had obviously grown up in the church, um, but I felt like that was the first time that I really uh, made my relationship with God my own, and I felt him and heard him um, moving in my own life. And so when I got home from the missions trip, uh, Shannon was offering a baptismal service, and so I got baptized by my mom. And um, after that, I was I was on fire. I was going back to school. I started a Bible study at school. Um, I was just really pumped. Uh, I Is felt this like your I got junior it. year. Uh, in yeah. Okay. So the summer going into my junior year. Yeah. So um, so going back into high school, obviously. Uh, junior year especially just in any high school your kids are starting to to branch out and um a lot of kids don't stay on that on the moral path um and and so i saw a lot of my friends stepping away from the church and going into other avenues but i was i was really passionate i had i had experienced god i knew who he was to me i knew um what he could do i had seen the power um that he had he had done in other people's lives that he had done down in Mexico, and so I was really feeling I was feeling passionate about um, about ministry and um, just loving on others the way that God wanted us to. Um, when I asked you if you would come share, part of what I asked you to bring was your favorite psalm. Because we're going through the Psalms, I think it's important for us to open up the Psalms today. Um, and I'm wondering if you would read the Psalm that you said, this is the one, this is my favorite right now. This is what I go to. Would you read that for us? Yes. Um, so uh, this one of the Psalms, obviously there's a lot, but um, one of the Psalms that popped in my head was um, Psalms 91. And um, for me, like music is something that I really connect with. Um, and songs, th there's a lot of songs written about psalms, and um, one of the songs that I really enjoy is about Psalms 91. I don't know if it'll be on the screen. 
Can we get that up on the screen? Oh, perfect. perfect. Um, so he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. So just um, oh, that... Keep going. Oh, we're, we're still going. Okay. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will not observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up on their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. So I, I was actually really surprised uh, when I asked you for a favorite psalm and you came back with this one. Um, I didn't see it coming. And part of the reason of my surprise, I think, is... Uh, to me, initially, at least, this psalm stands in contrast to a lot of your story and uh, what you've walked through. So I wonder, I want to come back to Psalm 91 later, but I want to go back to junior year in high school. You're on fire for God. You want to lead. You want to be um, kind of a, an environment shaper rather than just one that's shaped by your environment, right? You want to uh, make an impact, especially in your relationship with God and how he can transform others. Um, and then tell us about, I mean, tell us about uh, that night uh, where, where things started to shatter. Uh, so, so later on in my junior year, I had gotten invited to a sleepover um, with a bunch of other soccer girls. And um, it had gotten late, and some of the girls were getting antsy, and so someone said, well, we should go TPing. I said, well, that sounds fun. I've never gone TPing. So we go out, and um, we, we TP a friend's house and um, get some Taco Bell. And then we're on our way home, and um, one of the girls decided that on our way home, we should, we should take this road. And this road is known for giving you that roller coaster effect if you go fast down it you'll get a belly drop. And so um, we went fast down this road, and um, that's really the last thing that I remember. Um, I woke up three days later. I, was, I woke up from a coma. I was in the hospital. And um, I, I didn't know what had happened. I, I had... Um, a neck brace on, I had been intubated, I had two broken arms, um, and I had all my family around me, and um, I remember looking up, 
at my dad and saying, Dad, what, what happened to me? And he said, well, Teresa, you were in a car accident. And I, I said, well, was I alone? And he said, no. You were with your friends. I said, well, are my friends okay? And he said, no. Um, you have three new angels now looking over you. And in that moment, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't, um, I couldn't wrap my brain around this thought of I had just been having fun. You know, I was, I was just a 16-year-old girl out with my friends. And now I'm waking up being told that my friends are dead. Um, I, the next couple days in the hospital were very blurry. I don't, I don't remember a lot, but, but I started piecing together bits of the story of what had happened. Um, we were going too fast, and the car lost control and rolled 15 or 16 times. And there was nine of us girls in the car. A lot of us were scattered. Um, had been ejected from the car into the field. Um, I was found unconscious. I was resuscitated and intubated and put on a, a Flight for Life helicopter um, to the nearest children's hospital. It took my, my family um, a couple hours before they were notified, and then after they were notified, it took them a couple hours to find me in the hospital. Um, and I, I had a, a broken neck vertebrae. I had two broken arms. I had a lacerated liver. I was in a coma, but I was alive and my friends were dead. And I, I really struggled <laughs> with the thought of where are my friends? Like, where did they go? Yesterday they were with me, and today they're not with me. Um, I know that the, the next couple months and years held a lot of survivor's guilt of why did I survive? Why didn't my friends live? You know, I would do something stupid, do something wrong, and I would think, you know, Caitlin wouldn't have done that. Like, sh she should be alive. Like, how come I lived when my friends didn't live? Um, I struggled very, very heavily with, I felt no, no purpose. I felt like, you know, God, God should have saved them. Why did he save me? I didn't understand why I was alive. How did you walk through that? And what did you do... Um, You talked about putting on a mask a little bit and like making things look good for others. Can you tell us a little bit about the mask? Um, yeah, so throughout this uh, months and years after the accident had happened, you know, I had, I had talked about that I was so involved in church and so I continued to go. I still went to Sunday. I still went to youth group on Wednesdays. 
Um, I put on a, a mask. I put on a smile. I pretended like I was happy. I pretended like everything was okay. Um, but in the inside, I was really mad at God. I was really mad that, that he had done this to me. Um, I was a good person. I had, I had lived my life for him. I had um, loved him, and yet here I was um, in, this, in the midst of this tragedy, feeling the, the hurt of loss, um, trying to walk through grief. And I was, I was just mad. I was mad that God, that God had done this to me. Um, but, but in the church, you can't really be mad at God. And so when I went to youth group and I went to church, I put on a smile and I pretended like everything was okay. And I pretended like I was still a good Christian that, that loved God and was on fire for him because that's what I was supposed to do. People don't, don't want to see your brokenness. They want to see you okay. And so I, I pretended that I was okay for a long time. I can remember Shannon's dad, Dave, coming up to me at youth group and being like, Teresa, I want to I wanna hear your testimony. I want to hear what God has done in your life. And I remember in my head being like, I hate God. Why are you asking me this? Like, you don't want to hear my story because I, I don't have one. I'm just mad at God. Um, but obviously at that time I had put on a show. I had put on a mask making people think that I was that I was okay with God, that I was moving in a good direction, that I was in a healthy place when, when I wasn't. I was in a, a very dark, um, s- scary place for the most part. Yeah, so how did you move forward? Uh, what, uh, what did it look like for you to, uh, to recognize a mask and to move forward and to... Um, I, you, you had quoted a song by... Ben Rector, this is like life sucks sometimes, right? And being able to like say, "Yep, that's I identify with that." Um, what did it look like for you to move forward? Um, yeah, so so wrestling with this idea of of being being mad at God, um, and just kind of getting stuck in 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 these feelings of of grief and um, anger. And um, one night, I um, I kind of broke to Shannon. He was my youth leader at the time, and uh, he, if you've ever like talked to Shannon, he'd be like, "How you doing? Like, how are you really doing? You know, like, like not just one of those like, how you doing, pal? But he like really dug in, you know, like, how are you really doing? Um, and I I just kind of broke, you know. I was I showed him my anger. I showed him um, how mad I was, how hurt I was, and um, and he was he just kind of took it like, all right, didn't see that coming. Here we are. Um, you know, let's let's talk about like who are you angry at? You know, and and I wasn't I wasn't angry at the driver. I wasn't angry at um, my friends. I was angry at God. I I put all the blame, you know, why did God do this? And so Shannon had told me something that night uh, that I hadn't heard before then. He told me, you know, it's, it's okay to yell at God. Like God, 
is a big boy. He can handle it. He can handle what, what you throw at him. So he encouraged me, you know, like with all the vulgar, swearing, angry words that I had um, to bring it to God. And so that night I did, I went home and I just stood on my porch and I swore at God. And I told him how angry I was for killing my friends. I was a good person. I didn't deserve this. Um, I, I unleashed all the, all the frustration, all the anger that I had towards him. Um, and it, it wasn't, it wasn't like a overnight, like all of a sudden, oh man. Um, it def, it took, you know, it took years. Like I'm still working through it. I still, I still have those moments of anger. I still have questions, um, that will never be answered. Um, but, but I think that was, that was my first step towards healing, my first step towards um, really starting a relationship with God again um, that had brought a peace back into my life that, that I had shut out, that I didn't want a part of. I wanted to stay in, in my darkness and in my anger um, and just kind of dwell in that. But, but then, you know, opening up the doors to God, opening the conversation to God again, led me to a place of dwelling in him instead of dwelling in, in my anger. Yep. Part of what, what, I, what I love about that, Teresa, is that um, I think God was with you all the time and not in a cliche way. And he's waiting for you to yell at him because he knows that that's there. And I think what he loves from us is when we're able to be honest with him. Not, not that he doesn't know or things like, oh, I didn't see that coming, right? But that we would trust him enough to, sh- to open up and to say what we're feeling, to say what we're thinking. And when we recognize that when I open up and say it like I feel it, he's not going to run away from me or be like, oh, that's ugly. I'm done, right? And so a little bit of healing, I think, begins even in the ugliness, even as you're cursing God out um, and blaming him for things, there's some healing that's happening. And I think in, even in some sense, I think he's pleased that you could trust him with that brokenness. So that, and then I love also that you say it didn't just like snap overnight, it was all better, right? But that life, over the, the relationship resumed. It got back on track, not in a clean and tidy way, but in a, okay, let's walk again. Let's, let's do this again. So uh, can you describe then what has, been, what has been, since you've been able to like open up your anger with God, what has that uh, coming back to him, letting him come back to you looked like? I think a big part of um, of of opening up and and uh, restarting that relationship with God was the idea of purpose, um, because uh, dealing with you know this survivor's guilt and I feel I feel a lot of I you know what is my purpose? 
why am I here? Why am I still living? Why am I still breathing? Um, and coming back to God, he has given me, you know, little, little peaks of my purpose here on earth. He has given, um, he has given me people in my life that I wouldn't have met. I wouldn't have known if I wasn't here. I know that, um, that he's using my story, that he's using my um, testimony to, to impact um, different people that I meet, and that wouldn't have happened if I, if I wasn't alive. So it's, it's little moments um, that I run into that really open my eyes to, you know, maybe this is why God still has me here. It's never been anything, like, really big, like, I found the cure for cancer. That's why God saved me. Like, it's not anything, like, monumental, but it's, like, these little moments in life um, that I've been able to just pause and reflect on and be like, maybe this, maybe this is one of those moments that God kept me here for. Maybe this is part of my purpose here on earth. This person is, is who God wants me to be talking to. Um, this, this instant is something, a skill, a gift that I have um, that, that God wants me to use to, to further his kingdom, to, to reach more of his people. Um, and so I think, I think coming back to him has, has looked like finding a life with purpose again. Um, finding, finding that passion for living because when I was in my, I like, I like to call them my dark days. When I was in my dark days, like I had no passion. I didn't care what people thought of me. I didn't care what I did, I, I just like, because I, I didn't have a purpose, I didn't have passion for life, so why did it matter what I did? I woke up every morning thinking, why am I alive? But being with God, being in a relationship with him, you know, it takes, it takes that, that loss feeling away, and it gives me something to run after. You know, I always know that every morning I have God there to give me a new duty, you know, like, what, what do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to impact? In what way, you know, um, being a youth leader, a lot of times I'll pray, like, God, who, what kid needs me to pour into them? What kid just needs, like, a coffee date to, to talk to and, um, you know, build a relationship with? Um, little things like that just bring purpose, bring passion back in, into life. So talk a little bit about Psalm 91. It starts out, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And there's, it, there's, it seems like there's some contrast, right, between you calling that your favorite psalm and then walking through what you have. So how do you, how do you reconcile, and what, it is, what is it about that psalm that continues to, like, uh, draw you out? Um... I think this this idea of peace and just um, dwelling in God's peace is something that I've felt in my life um, because I've I've known all too well what I don't know what the word is unpeace <laughs> feels like um, not being at peace you know always being full of anxiety and and worry um, and and now to 
to dwell in in the peace that God has for me um, like I can I can feel I can feel the difference um, even though I you know I still have stress because I'm a human but um, being able to mentally be be aware that God gives this peace to us that is beyond beyond our understanding um, gives us a place to dwell um, that will keep us safe emotionally um, even though physically you know we never know I didn't know that the car accident was going to happen um, and God you know God loves me but that still happened to me um, so he f- physically you know we may still experience hardships but I think emotionally um, God will keep us in his in his presence in his peace some of the language that we're using here Teresa at uh, Damascus Road is that uh, we say at the at the core of who we are, we want to recognize that we're loved and we're sent, that we're loved by God deeply, and that's where it, that's where it starts. So He builds my identity, not because of what I do for Him, um, not even because of a grand sense of purpose, but like He looks at us and He loves us, and recognizing that I'm loved by God changes everything, right? And once I know I'm loved by God, once my identity is filled by him to recognize that he doesn't just love me, he loves me, and then he sends me to love others with his love, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we're, we're trying to grow into that idea that we're, we're loved and we're sent. I would say he gives us an identity and then a purpose. So have you been able to grow in and linger in the idea uh, of your identity in Christ that precedes even, you've talked about like your purpose, God, what do you want me to do today? Do you, ha- do you have a sense that your identity in him comes even before your purpose? Yeah, that's um, that's something that we talk really heavily about with our youth um, back home is like finding your identity, like we are the sons, we are the daughters of God, like finding your identity in that and not in other things. And that's um, still something that I, I struggle with, you know, like what, what is my identity? What I still, I still revert back to like, what are other people thinking about me? Um, even though, even though we like are telling it to the youth, you know, it doesn't matter about what other people are saying about you. It's what God is saying about you. Um, and so I still, I still struggle with the idea of identity, um, and finding it, finding it all in God, um, but I think it's it's really just um, the power of 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 your story of your your testimony. I think that's where I find um, part of my identity, um, and it and it's different than like a lot of a lot of times I believed that I was a walking tragedy. You know, back home everyone knew who I was. Oh, she's that girl who's in the car accident. Um, and I, I took that on as my identity, um, but it's not, it's not the idea that like the car accident is my identity, but it's what God has done through my life, and that is, that was a season that was a part of my life that God um, walked with me through, and um, so being able to share where I was with God during the dark time, where I was with God after, um, really, really brings. Uh, a sense of you know God, God has called me to um, to share this story of what He's done in my life, 
Um, and I think that brings a sense of identity of, of God's child. You know, he's got me. He was with me before it happened. He was with me when it happened. He was with me now. You know, it's, it's not just a one-stage time frame. It's um, through my whole life. You know, he's been there. He's been, even when I hated him, even when I swore at him, like he, you know, he, um, he's always had me in his, in his arms. Yeah, I remember, um, I remember getting to stand up and share a little, a little bit at your wedding, and you had asked me to pick out a Bible verse that I could read as a part of it. And I remember picking out Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, and you were like, that's great, that's a churchy one. Um, <laughs> that, that'll sound perfect for a wedding. And what I loved about it was the idea of you not staying stuck. And how Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Like, there are people all around you who show you what it looks like to live in faith, right? And so we throw off the things that hinder us. We throw off the things that keep us back, and we run. And I just, I had this picture of you and Ben running off together into adventure, into what God had for you. And you had, you just said, my identity is not simply tragedy or one who walked uh was in a car accident right your identity is deeper than that so you're a daughter of god who was in a crazy car accident right so your life was dramatically altered by that day but not your identity your identity stays your identity has always been and i think that's powerful and as you as you continue to learn what it is to run in your identity, I think he's going to continue to show you people that you get to love. And he's going to, he's going to have you use what's in your hand. He's going to have you use what you have available to you. And what you have available to you is your vulnerability, your authenticity, your life story. And say, this isn't pretty. I got real mad at God. And that's what I have to offer, Right. And, and I think he'll continue to use that powerfully, um, welling up out of your identity. So I'm really thankful for you. And um, I think the grace, uh, the grace that you've extended to others who can't understand and then will say things that are wrong or uh, wrong timing we're just insensitive, and I think you've been able to um, continue to treat people well, uh, even as um, even as they don't understand. So I'm really thankful to you. Um, uh, I uh, I remember a story of uh, coming to one of my family events, and an aunt walked up to me. This was um, after the accident, and and I was in a really bad place and she came up and hugged me and said like Teresa life is good and I was so mad at her and I was so so angry like do you understand what's going on in my life why would you why would you say that to me um and looking back at my life now you know I've I've had a lot of good in my life I married a wonderful man of God and we've gotten to see the country and see God's beauty and um, have these moments of joy and, and laughter and, you know, 
these awesome moments in our life. Um, and recently I walked back up to my aunt and I told her, I said, I was so mad at you for telling me that. I was so mad at you for saying that life was good because I was in such a dark place. Um, but I see it now. I see the good that life has. I've experienced the bad that life has and I think, I think all of us experience loss and hurt in some way, whether it's a divorce or a, or a, a illness or um, an accident, a loss of a loved one. Um, we all experience loss and that's something that comes with life. Um, but being able to recognize the good parts of life and know that the bad parts of life are not the end. Like, I am, I am continuing to have new experiences that I wouldn't have had if I would have passed away in the accident. Um, and that was one of the things that I, I strive to do was keep a notebook of thanking God. Like, God, thank, thank you that I woke up this morning. Thank you for, um, for this conversation that I had with this person today. Thank you for little, little things that don't seem like much, um, but they're, they're what makes up the good, the good parts of life. I'm going to ask you, uh, you know, we've been having a conversation, and I'd love for you to turn and address the church here. Um, is what encouragement would you have, or what challenge, or what, what do you want people here to hear uh, from you and from your story? If you, could, if you could navigate that, if you could lead them, what would you want them to hear? So um, I, would really, I would really say, like, vulnerability is such a huge thing. Um, being vulnerable with others, but also being vulnerable with God. Uh, if there's uh, uh, anger that you have towards God um, from, a, from a loss, from a hurt, um, being able to be vulnerable with him and open up about that. Um, and also just being vulnerable with other people, being real, um, being willing to, to look stupid and to, um, to look vulnerable and um, being open to, uh, or being willing to open up, uh, that's just so huge. Each of us has a story. Uh, I think a lot of times in societies we compare and we um, try and say, oh, well, my story isn't, you know, my story isn't like yours, like I didn't ha wasn't in a car accident. Um, but to get rid of those comparisons and to just um, be vulnerable about the story that you have um, the story that God has given each and every one of you. Everyone has a different story, different life experiences that has led them to where you are right now. Um, so who, who in your life can you, can you encourage with your story? Who can you be vulnerable and open up to and um, let them know what God has done in your life, the way that he's moved, um, maybe the challenges or the struggles that he's brought you through, walked with you through? Um, so that would be my challenge. Vulnerability, you know, work, work on vulnerability with others, work on vulnerability with God, um, being real, being open, being able to, um, to make an impact that, that lasts forever. Now let me, let me turn it on you, because I don't think this is a one-way thing. Um, if, we, if we could pray for you, if we could support you and encourage you, uh, how would you want us to pray? Um, uh, like I, like when you asked about the identity thing, like 
that is something that I, I struggle with. Um, so, so prayer for, you know, for finding, finding my identity in Christ instead of running to um, other outlets, running to other people's opinions, um, not feeling good enough, not feeling um, worthy enough or called enough. Um, so just, just prayer for, for finding my identity in God, not worrying about what other people are saying or thinking. Yeah, for sure. We can do that. Um, thank you. Thanks for coming. Would you guys thank her with me? We did, we did three songs. We normally did four up front. Uh, we thought we'd hold back and do three songs at the end today. Uh, and part of the idea is we want to create a space for reflection. We want to create a space where, like Teresa encouraged, that you could be vulnerable, that you could uh, be open with God. If you feel like grabbing somebody next to you or somebody across the room and saying, hey, I need to, I need to open up about some stuff, right? I wasn't in... Uh, that kind of car accident, I, but I have my own stuff going on. And if you could open up with somebody, we want to create the space where you can do that this morning. We're going to celebrate communion uh, like we do every Sunday. And the idea of communion is really celebrating who Jesus is and what he offered to us and the sacrifice that he made on our behalf that we could take that in. He says, I want you to, I, I want you to, um, receive what I have for you. And it's the uh, like eating food and you take it into your body. That's what communion gives us this picture of, that we would receive what he gave on our behalf and then we would live the life that he has to offer us uh, now today. And so we'll do that over the next uh, few songs. Feel free to come up. Feel free to uh, reflect in your chair. Feel free to stand and worship Feel free to grab somebody uh, to pray for you. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be bold. If I could get a couple of people to come up and pray with Teresa while we do that, um, in the way that she asked that we could pray, just around her identity. Um, I don't want, like, uh, you know, kind of the mass uh, monkey pile. Um, but if I, could, if I could get a couple of people to come up and pray with her, that would be uh, really fantastic. Uh, thank you for coming and sharing. And uh, thanks for not having it all figured out and just sharing what you have. Uh, I'm really grateful for you. And um, again, I, for me, this is like a picture of what the Psalms offer of not being all together, but being present where you are. So thank you. Can I pray? Father, we thank you again. Uh, for the morning, and we thank you for relationships that you give us uh, where we're drawn together and where we're drawn to you. Like the Psalms cry out uh, in both the celebration and the heartache, we recognize that we've all got that in life, and uh, we ask that you'd continue to open us up to you and that, that we would open to you, that we'd be vulnerable with you, that we would be honest with you, and that we'd be honest with what with others um, about and through what we're walking. Father, we pray that you would build into us a sense of identity uh, 
where we know that we're loved, not because of what we do and not because of what we offer, but because of who you are and how you love us and how uh, crazy you are about us, that you'd be willing to sacrifice your own life, that you'd be willing to come here to get on our level, to show us what you're like, to show us your love. I pray for Teresa and pray for all of us that we would every day know more and more and more about our identity and that as a result of that, that we would grow in our authority and in our power that can be found only in you as we're led by you, Holy Spirit. We would continually give ourselves to you and be found in you and you would lead us uh, in what you have for us. We thank you for Teresa. We thank you for her story. And we thank you for what you're doing in all of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.